everyone. I'm Reverend Carla and welcome to Spirituality Matters, a podcast that focuses on the intersection of spirituality and humanity. Let's settle in to find that sacred sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together is just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, let's get started. This is the episode where we answer followers' questions. There's so many, and I really enjoy this. So let's get into it. The first question is, how do I feel about atheism? All right, so I'm going to start with the construct of this question. So the dangers of asking someone how they feel about something, I really think that this needs to be discussed because my feelings about atheism seems to imply that I have influence or validation over another's lived experience. So when we say how we feel about something, I feel like it's saying that I have the right to weigh in on the existence or the validation of whether or not atheists is a a valid identity. And I think it undermines the fundamental principles of equality and respect for others' beliefs. So this is essential to recognize that beliefs are personal and subjective, and everyone has the right to their own without judgment or superiority. So this is important to me because as we have now been over a year with the uh, annihilation of women's rights here in America, a lot of what happened is because of people's religious beliefs in a woman's right to abortion. And clearly, if you don't believe in them, then don't have them. But mandating and suffocating another woman's rights when you know nothing about her story is why we're in such a horrible situation that we are right now. Now, I'm not trying to get into a debate about abortion. I have talked about that in the past. I'm not afraid to talk about it again. But that is, that's the dangerous toxicity when we say something about feeling. Now, this could be, this statement could be completely innocuous. I'm not blaming the, the person who questioned this. I'm asking us to consider the language that we use. So a more appropriate way to ask that might be, what are your thoughts on? Or can you explain to me the concept of atheism? And if, sure, I'm not atheist. But I can explain it through the lens of those with whom I am friends with and who follow me and validate me by giving me permission to speak about some of these things. But by no means can I say that I'm speaking for the entire entirety of the atheist community because I just can't. But um, I came up with some very general Uh, definitions of atheism and any atheist who's out there listening, who wants to chime in on this, you can email us at info at Rev Carla and reference the podcast for October 8th, and we'll be happy to respond to you. But based on what I've heard from my, my followers, my colleagues, and my mutuals in the social media influencing realm, if you will, atheism is the absence of, uh, or lack of belief in any higher power or in gods. They do not subscribe to any religious doctrines or supernatural explanations for the existence of the universe or anything like that. It's often a personal stance that really has little to do with community, even though there are atheist communities and there's ways for people to connect in that way. 
it usually doesn't imply any specific moral or ethical framework, even though I will chime in here and say that some of the most kind-hearted, outward-facing, which which I mean community-minded, selfless in their giving, advocating for social justice and equity are found in uh, among my atheist friends. We're oftentimes some of my most selfish, judgmental, closed-minded, arrogant people in my in my proximity were Christians. So this to say that there's no specific moral or ethical framework might mitigate the fact that many of them are incredibly connected to their community and incredibly kind-hearted and very much community-minded. And so they might hold diverse beliefs and values and worldviews, but it oftentimes also doesn't dictate their attitudes, their behaviors, their perspective on life. So if you had to, if you will, this was dirt for it from a discussion I had with uh, someone who is an atheist, because I, I asked them to chime in on this before I put this question together. The answer to this question together is the first thing they said was that we have freedom from belief freedom of belief and freedom from belief. So that's very important to them that they don't hold to any kind of belief, but they also don't want to be beholden to anyone else's belief. Um, They have diversity of of perspectives because they, and they respect many types of perspectives and they actually respect people who have beliefs as long as they don't try to shove it down their throats because that's religious oppression. And just like with me being on the spiritual but not religious path, I have many atheists who follow me because they like the fact that I can hold the space for this table of humanity and understand that I don't have the right to gatekeep it just because I feel morally or spiritually superior because I do have some kind of spiritual nudge or spiritual longing to try to connect with some divine source that I feel is out there. Um, It certainly doesn't look anything like the the divine of my patriarchal God heritage, but I still am intricately connected to the mystery. I long to find out and discover the mystery. So they very much believe in separation of church and state. As you can imagine, many of them that are my friends were are from the same generation as I am and remember a time when you got in trouble, you got sent to the principal's office if you didn't close your eyes in prayer. Mm-hmm. You had prayer every morning in public schools for our Christmas break. It wasn't winter break for our Christmas break. We had, we sang, Oh, Holy Night. And we had baby Jesus in a manger and we told the Christmas story. Yeah. Right there and right there on the the stage, everybody wanted to be Mary and Joseph because we just thought that that was romanticized the whole love story of the two of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And of course, intellectual autonomy. So this is about examining, critical examination of religious doctrines and a desire to understand the historical context of these doctrines and how they influenced what they were writing. So you'll oftentimes find that some of the most knowledgeable people about biblical um, translations are atheists. Yeah, because they're they're looking at it from a very much an objective place where oftentimes you have scholars that are entrenched in some 
funded private Bible college who are need to make a point. And they're very much looking through the lens of their religious beliefs at archaeological data to, to prove that they're the ones that are right. They have a respect for diversity and they are often focused on humanism and morality. And I'm going to get to, to what humanist is in just a minute, but they, they very much have this uh, philosophical and ethical stance that emphasizes the value and agency of, of human beings and their right to that agency that someone else doesn't get to force their beliefs or what, how you, what you should be able to do with your body on any individual. They focus on the, the potential of each human being and the well-being of human of human beings. So, just to, uh, to talk a little bit about humanism, because I think that that this is this is an important, not necessarily a difference, but people oftentimes who are atheists might also identify as humanists, but humanists aren't all atheists. So atheists may identify as a humanist, but not all humanists are atheists. Some humanists are spiritual. So humanists might reject the supernatural or religious explanations, but some still see their, their the interconnectedness of their spirituality is more about the experience of how you show up in this world than being hyper-focused on an afterlife that, let's face it, no one knows what happens after here? Do I believe there's something beyond the mystery of the heaven of the of the earthly realm? I do. Only because I've sat in company with so many people in the dying, I've witnessed miracles, and I have there's some things that are just not explainable. But I'm not saying that to say that someone who doesn't believe that is wrong. I don't put that out there as a as a stance to say I'm morally superior than someone else because I believe in this. So humanists will often emphasize the importance of human rights, equality, and, and social justice. So there, the argument could be made that I'm very, Rev Carla is a humanist, first and foremost, because of my focus on those things and making sure that our true North is focusing on or prioritizing our ability to have empathy, compassion, and well-being for humanity. So out, out of all that, I hope you heard, you learned a little bit about what it means to be a humanist, what it means to be an atheist, what it means to be spiritual, but not religious, and how they all kind of flow together and how none of them judge the other, probably out of those three sectors, none of them judge the other. And I think you're getting a glimpse of where humanity is going in those three. You want to know what I think? That's what's happening. I believe you're really moving in a time where this is a season of great tension, whether you want to talk about the fourth turning or the 20 year cycle of the lessons that humanity and the evolving that we do, this is a high season. And I believe the day of reckoning for organized religion is upon us. And that the, the fact that this oppressive system that reinforces patriarchy will continue to crumble. And you'll see a new system emerge that will look very much like the atheist, humanist, spiritual, but not religious structures. I don't say that to scare anybody. It enlivens me. 
and exhilarates me. There was a time when it, uh, the first, but one of the first books I read was Christianity Must Change or Die by John Shelby Spong when I was on my deconstructing journey. And I hid that book because I could not believe I was reading a book that was talking about the fact that Christian Christianity could be a dead religion like so many others because of its inability to evolve. Any anytime it plants its stakes into something and say, no, I'm not moving any farther than this, then the entirety of that religion will falter. And I believe that's what's happening. Moving on. Can you talk about forgiveness? I talk a lot about this and there's a couple of podcasts that there's, this is going to be coming out. Maybe that's just because of the season that we're in as well. But evangelical Christian teaching on forgiveness often emphasizes the restoration of relationships as the primary focus of forgiveness. And the reason that is, is because the patriarchy structure, whether it's in a family or organized religion or in society, the patriarchy cannot lose power. So even though they may falter and stumble, you as as a lower servant of the patriarchy are obligated to restore, offer forgiveness, sacrificial forgiveness to restore the relationship, no matter what harm was done to you. That is a valid, legit explanation of the that indoctrinated belief and it could not be further from the truth of what authentic forgiveness is because this emphasis overshadows this this true intention which is to heal from the harm caused and allow you to release the person who harmed you because holding on to that binds you to that person in a very unhealthy way but releasing it and focusing on your inner growth and healing and then looking to your future to see where, where you go from there. And only then do you start to decide. You, as an empowered, healed being, get to decide whether or not that relationship is going to be restored. Not anybody in your ear or a patriarchal structure telling you, you really need to forgive. You really need to be as Jesus did. Mm-mm. That's all contorted scripture. That's all about patriarchal BS. That's what that is. So it perpetuates a harmful uh, dynamic with you and your healing because it prioritizes the offender's needs over your needs for healing and growth. So this approach disregards the reality that some relationships may not be healthy. Some relationships should not be restored. And it's and so forgiveness is very personal. It's very complex. And the primary focus is always on your healing and your well-being. And yes, over time, releasing that person who caused you harm, that's an that can be a part of the forgiveness, but allowing the victim to find closure and move on, move forward with their lives is the primary focus of forgiveness. Now, People will talk about Jesus's teaching on turning the other cheek, but this is not about restoring the relationship with the person. That's not what this is about at all. It's a metaphorical instruction to respond to aggression or insult with nonviolent resistance and resilience. That says, no matter what you do to me, yeah, there are things that you're capable of doing to me because of your brokenness. Because of your greed, because of your selfishness, because of your abusive toxic toxicity that's seething inside you, you're capable of doing me harm, but you go ahead because I will be okay. I will learn from this. 
I will not meet you with violence. I will get myself away from this and I will escape it. And I will release you from the harm you've done for me because I'm moving on with my life. So it's it's very much a metaphorical thing about how we respond to someone harming us. It's about breaking the cycle of violence and responding to this hatred with love, but not prioritizing love for that person, love for yourself. You don't have to respond in violence to have love for yourself, but the plan starts. What's the plan to get us away from this toxicity, abusive person? What do we need to protect ourselves? So this inner, this emphasizes the need for safety, for personal inner transformation and cultivating compassion for ourselves. This is not about blindly accepting abuse or enabling harm, harmful behavior. It's about maintaining personal integrity and refusing to engage in a harmful cycle of aggression. So that's, again, lots of lots of lessons on teaching, but that's what came up for me today on this one. And you, I'm sorry, lots of lessons on uh, forgiveness. I don't know what I just said. I'm already looking at the next question. I got ahead of myself. Uh, so just be sure to be checking out my other podcast because there's all kinds of things there. All right, next question. I've tried AA so many times, but they rely so heavily on trusting a higher power. Any advice with someone struggling with the same question? Okay, AA is Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, it's a fellowship of individuals seeking recovery from alcohol addiction. I have never gone through AA. So I'm only speaking from this from a perspective of, of your question about wanting to find something that doesn't have something to do with a higher power. I will also say, though, that I've had many people in my inner circle who have been a part of AA, who have found it to be a valid spiritual journey, that it has restored their ability to deal with their addiction disease and get back, turned back to their life, a better version of themselves healed and no longer allowing this disease to overpower them. So this program has worked for many people for many years, but I certainly understand why this 12-step program and their teachings and their principles might not be for everyone. But the first principle about admitting the powerlessness over alcohol and recognizing that life is unmanageable, it's unsustainable with what, where you're going right now. But this belief in the higher power and making, turning over decisions of your life over to this higher power is also another step. And that sounds like where you're having the problems. And I just want to steer here a minute because Christians, that wasn't enough for Christians just to have, they, they consider many, now not all of, not all of them, many churches host AA meetings. And I think that's wonderful. But in the high control evangelical Christians, it wasn't enough that AA was talking about a higher power and showing that they were having success with that, they then came up with this program called Celebration, Celebrate Recovery. And this is a Christian-based support group that is for individuals seeking healing and recovering from various life issues, including alcoholism and uh, addiction from drugs and all kinds of things. And obviously there is success in some of those programs, but the big problem with what I personally know about Celebrate 
recovery is that many of these high controlled re uh, religions are demanding that members go through celebrate recovery, even if you don't have an addiction disease. Basically, their premise is that you go through it because some element of your brokenness in your life, celebrate recovery will help you. But what it does, it emphasizes, it emphasizes that everything in your life is about turning it over to God. Everything in your life that is, is going right, going wrong, that is a challenge, that is a success, is all because of God. So what they have figured out in this support system is that this, this is another indoctrination that they've begun to use to point people to remain in church. I can also tell you from personal experience that the vast majority of leaders that are being trained for these celebrate recoveries are not qualified. They themselves are holding on to so many of their own brokenness that they've never gotten help from, from legit counselors, from legit practitioners who can help with addiction disease. And they're leading these programs because of their loyalty to their own indoctrinated belief and their relationship with the church authority. And this, this creates a harmful, toxic cycle. Now, I'm not saying every Celebrate Recovery program is run like that, but based on the several that I have seen, they're very problematic. So the reason I'm bringing that up is because you have to do your research. You have to do your research to find something that's going to help you. I'm not qualified to recommend one. Please, anybody who's listening, if you have some recommendations, please send them to info at revcarla.com so we can do a follow-up on another episode so this person can get the help that they need. But I do, I did a quick analysis and somebody, please, again, tell me if any of these are good. Good. I found smart recovery, self-management and recovery training, a science-based secular program that focuses on self-empowerment and evidence-based techniques for overcoming addiction. Is that any good? I don't know. Refuge Recovery is a Buddhist-inspired recovery program that incorporates mindfulness, meditation, and Buddhist principles to support individuals in their journey to overcome addiction. Now, remember, Buddhism is not a religion. It's a practice. Many people can you, you practice Buddhism and still be churched, can still, you know, they, they you can say that you're atheist and still use Buddhist practices in your life. So this might be something. Women for sobriety, moderation management, rational recovery. These are just some that I found. And like I said, I would love to hear more. Oh, there's one more life process program, which I found interesting, which was a non 12 step. That was their description, non-religious approach to overcoming addiction that focuses on self-directed change, personal responsibility, and building a meaningful life without substance abuse. So I hope that helps. I know why you would have challenges with that. And I just want you to know that we will help as much as we can. And it, like I said, if anyone has information, please send it to info at revcarla.com. Okay, beautiful souls. That's all the questions we have time for today. Thank you for listening. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on my YouTube channel, Spirituality Matters with Rev Carla. And you can always connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And of course, at my website at revcarla.com, where you will find the latest about my upcoming courses, membership, and live teachings. I'm so honored to be in this space with you. Go in peace and be at peace. Go in love. May you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are. 
blessings on your week and I'll see you soon.